Good morning. 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 Um, usually after I speak, I immediately start thinking about what's the next subject, <laughs> the very next day. Um, and so it's been really interesting, uh, the, the messages that we've had um, over the last five weeks. Um, a couple of weeks, I guess it was yeah, maybe, maybe a couple of weeks before Easter. I shared Easter Sunday about a verse that Bill had used in the worship time about us having an inheritance that was imperishable, you know. And then um, Greg had shared that same Sunday about that we were freed from our sins by his blood and made a kingdom. And then we talked Easter Sunday about God's promises and how sure they are, the fact that he would make them so sure that the God who cannot lie would also promise it with an oath, which is on top of that. And then the next Sunday, uh, Roger shared uh, about the precious blood of Christ. And and then Greg shared last week about um, the gospel and the power of God for salvation through that message. And so I'm just thinking, you know, well, I talked out of the sixth chapter of Hebrews. And so I should just move to the seventh chapter of Hebrews because it's all about our great high priest, and what he does now that he's raised from the dead. And so that was kind of what I thought would be the next thing. And uh, I, one morning I was just praying and the Lord said, no. Um, well, first of all, he's just such a good and gentle father. Um, all of you that know about the feeding children everywhere, this event that's going to happen on the 30th. When I originally felt like God said, I want you to have a feeding event. I thought, okay, well. Let's do 10,000 meals. Well, that's $4,000. And so um, we met that goal. And then so we raised this goal to um, 7,500. And what we've actually collected is $9,335. So, you know, we're like 230 some percent over the first goal and still a 25% more than the second goal we set, you know. And, and I'm just kind of marveling in the whole thing. And it's like um, I, I had, the, had this thought about uh, when the disciples came back, the 70 came back so excited from their <laughs> successful ministry, you know, and, and, and Jesus says something to them. And it's like the, this gentle father that we have that sometimes he disciplines us with a hard word and sometimes he's just so gentle. He says, Preston, don't, don't rejoice in successful service, ministry. But rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you're re- rightly related to me. I said, that's exactly right. That is what's everything that we live for and go, and go before is the fact that we're rightly related. Not that we're successful in this or that or whatever, because like we sung this morning, we want to boast in him, not what we do, but what maybe he does through us. And so it was just such an encouragement, you know, to, to have that gentle word from God. And at the same time, I th- he said, you know, I want you to talk about the high priest. As much as we focused on Jesus Christ, he said, I, I want you to really think about being strong in, in the Lord. Little did I know how important that was going to be for me, you know, a matter of days later when uh, I just found out some information and news. I guess we're going to probably pray about that later today, but... It's been really interesting because I've had a series of harder projects that have been very much filled with conflict. This thing has come up. 
Uh, it's just been like layer upon layer of things that are happening. Dear Claire is leaving this week. And so I'm just feeling kind of heavy, you know. And so I thought, okay, well, let me let me do some reading and, and thinking about being strong in the Lord. And um, so he directed me this familiar past, path, passage that we're all uh, familiar with. It's in 1 Samuel. It's the 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. Um, chapters. We're only going to look at one verse today, but I want to give you kind of a background of how how the Lord's story goes till we get to that verse. And it's a story about David. You know, David was this young shepherd boy that um, the the youngest of all these brothers. That um, the 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 prophet of the nation of Israel says. You're, you're the next king, anoints him as the next king. And so he walks in this understanding for years and years, um, comes to national notoriety basically because he kills this giant and saves the whole nation. Uh, and so everybody knows about him. But King Saul uh, is not so happy with him most of the time and over and over tries to take his life. And so David's been running for his life from King Saul for a number of years. He's had a number of opportunities to kill the king. I mean, he's, he obviously is the next king because the, the prophet of the nation says, you're going to be the next king. He refuses to kill the king. He stays loyal to him all these years, even though the king is chasing him with armies. And so... Finally, what happens is David just despairs that I am going to lose my life over this thing. I'm going to lose my life. And so he leaves his own country. He leaves Israel and moves into the country of the Philistines, which is a a nation that he has repeatedly fought uh, during his, his lifetime. Well, he takes his two wives and 600 men with him. And he goes to the, the king of uh, Achish and he says, look. I'd like to live in your country. Can you give me a little city in the country, not here in the capital with you? And he does. So he gives him this uh, city called Ziklag. Well, he lives in Ziklag. He stays in, in, in the whole nation of, of the Philistines for 16 months. But while he's there, he makes these daily raids and, and, and kills uh, people, not Israelites, but people that are Girgashites, Amalekites, all these other people in the region that surrounds Israel. But he kills everybody. So nobody can go back to the king and say, hey, this is what this guy's doing to us. And so he he gains this confidence from King Achish that, you know, he's, he must be because he's raiding the Israelites every day or every week. He must be made himself really odious to those people, and he's going to be my servant forever. He's going to stay here. And so there comes a time when um, the all the lords of the Philistines decide, we're going to go fight Israel. And so this decision's made. King Achish is one of those, and so he goes and, and invites David to follow him into battle against his own people and his nation, the Israelites. And so... Um, they're all arrayed, ready, ready to fight, you know, in a day or two. I don't know how long it was. But the, the other lords of the Philistines look over and see David and his men, these foreigners, these Hebrews, Israelites. 
And they go to King Akish and they say, hey, you know who this guy is? And he, he kills people and he's killed people like us. And you think we want to go into battle with him? He may turn on us in the middle of the battle. They said, we're not, we're not going up to battle if he's going to be with us. And so King Akish turns to David and his men and says, look, I know you've been loyal. You've been loyal to me for over a year, but you cannot go up to battle with us. And so he says, in the morning, I want you to go back home to Ziklag, the place that I've given you. And so David and his men leave the next morning and, and, and take a three-day journey to go back to Ziklag. Well, they get back home only to see smoke rising from their city. They enter the city. The place has been burned with fire. All their wives and children are gone. All the stuff that they own is gone. And these warriors, the story goes, wept. These warriors wept and they wept until they had no more strength. Have you ever cried that much? Think about it. Have you ever cried that much? They just had more strength left to cry. That's where they that's where they were at this point. And so they thought about their wives missing, their children missing. And then they thought, why'd we leave here? We didn't even fight. David, what are you thinking? First of all, we left our country. Now we've gone up to fight. We've been gone six days at least. We go up to fight. We don't leave anybody here to take care of. Of our city, our families. It all, you, you, all, you took all of us to go with you. Now we come home to this. And so this, this turned into being bitter and angry. Not at the Amalekites. They were, they, they, there was no evidence that any of them, their, their wives and children had been killed. There weren't people laying around. They'd all been captured and taken away by the Amalekites. <clears throat> So they're looking around and saying, thinking, why have we left? They're not encouraged because they're, they're not there and they may still be alive. They get angry, not at the Malachites, but at David. What kind of leader are you that you put us in this kind of situation? So David finds himself with both, both his wives gone. And now the men are thinking, we should just stone him. Let's just throw rocks at him and kill him. And he's got in the back of his mind, so I'm supposed to be the king and I'm facing death here with 600 angry warriors. He's thinking, all these years, I've been loyal to Saul. I've not raised my hand against him. This has happened and all these men, they're not loyal to me. Have you ever been in that kind of place where you've shown loyalty in a situation only to have loyalty not shown to you? That's a hard pill to swallow. A hard pill to swallow. This is where David finds himself. I'm going to read that, just the first part of, of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to read the first seven verses which are just a recap of 
the last part of what I just said. This starts where David and his men have just come back to the city. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. Today's verse is the last half of that. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David didn't respond like the men did. He didn't say, listen, I'm in charge and I'm going to use my power and authority and you're going to do what I want you to do. He didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't, Base his response on his reputation, on his position as far as the nation's prophet Samuel had given him. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So what, ha- what, what, what what's a result of strengthening yourself in the Lord your God? You know, it gave him assurance. It gave him initiative. It gave him answers, energy, and confidence. All these things he gained from strengthening himself in the Lord. So David went on and redirected these men's anger. First he sought God and got a plan. God, should I go after these people, the Malachites? God said, you go after them and you'll rescue and you will rescue all. Well, that's a big promise, isn't it? You're you're going to be fighting and you're going to rescue all. So he sought God. This is what God told him to do. Then he had to convince these men, look, guys, stop being angry at me. Let's go after the Malachites. And so they took off after the Malachites, all 600 of them. 200 of them were so tired they just they just stopped at the brook Besor and rested. And so 400 more went on with David and they rescued all their wives, all their children, and all their stuff and came back. It gave David wisdom to make a to make smart choices. The men that went with him said we're not sharing any of these stuff with those ones that wimped out on us and stayed back at the, with our luggage and stuff at the brook. David said, no, we're not doing that. We're, everybody shares. Everybody has a part. 
And so that became almost like a statute for Israel in, in wars and times to come later on. So David took a situation which was really a disastrous situation in two fronts. One, that he was getting ready to fight against his own people that he supposedly was to be king over. God rescued him from that. It's, it's always interesting to me that there's this weird chapter stuck right in the middle of the story about King Saul seeking a, a, a medium to call up Samuel to find out what to do. And so while David is being rescued from a, an intractable situation of having to fight against his own people, he, God is telling Saul, your days are over, starting tomorrow. And so um, it's just really interesting how God rescued him from that situation. But then at the same time, put him in a really hard situation of having no one to turn to but God himself. And so he strengthened himself in the Lord. So that's the result of that. And so I thought to myself, well, how do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? How, how did David do that? Because it, it just says he did. It doesn't give us A, B, C, D. How do you do that? And so I just began to really meditate on that. And, you know, the first thing that came to mind was just the wording there. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So David was prepared to strengthen himself. He had nurtured and built a relationship with God that it was almost instinctive that that's who he turned to. And so one way to one one of the most important things in strengthening ourselves with with the Lord is having a relationship with him, nurturing that relationship, hearing and obeying his voice all along the way, um, fellowshipping with people that believe all along the way. Those things give us a strength to continue in this walk, whether we're in a great place or whether we find ourselves in a difficult place. And so the very first thing is to be prepared. Keep your relationship with God and nurture that. And then the second thing is when you get into that situation where it's like, wow, these are some trying circumstances that you find yourself in, uh, it's a time to refocus on God. Because I don't know if you've ever been in difficult circumstances, but it's real easy to just focus on the circumstances. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. What, what can I do about it? What am I going to do about it? And, and, and the circumstances just kind of overwhelm you. So you have to refocus and turn your attention to God. Now, for many of us, it's, it's almost something instinct, instinctive that we do. But... It wasn't that way at first. When when you first start walking with God, it's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get through this? You know, we want to get out of it instead of being able to go through it. And then, you know, the more you walk with God, you realize, no, it's there. God's sovereign. I, I have to walk through it. It has a purpose. And so then we refocus on. Okay, it's a, it's. I find myself in this place. I need to look to God. Yes, you don't say, you don't act like the circumstances are not there. You realize that they are, 
but you look up and try to see them in the light of who God is. So that, and then after you've refocused, it's a great time to remember the character of God, the goodness of the discipline of God, the providence of God, and God's kindness, and the fact that his heart for his people is redemptive. Everything, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, that are called according to his purpose. And so we have to remember God's character. Think about who he is, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. Um, and then, you know, I found it really good to rehearse all these things kind of happen to be our words. I, it's not like I'm some kind of great literary thing. It's just like, well, rehearse works. That works for the next. <laughs> Basically, what I mean by that is you begin to speak out the very things you know about him. His promises that he's given you. Who he says he is. You may do that in song. You may do it in prayer. You know, like we were talking about this morning, prayers are a testimony. So speaking things out helps formulate mm -hmm. those kind of things that are going around in your head. Oh, I said that. And so it has an impact to put words, put, put words to your thoughts. So rehearse his goodness, his promises. And then, and this one you kind of move in and out of, unless you're just way, way more mature than me. You got to rest. You have to rest in God's sovereignty in who he says he is, that he really is in control and that he will see you through whatever it is you need to be seen through um, to rest in that. So, you know, for me, you rest and then you look at the circumstances and you look at God, you rest. Then you see the circumstances again. So, Hopefully the cycle gets further and further apart where you're doing more looking at God and resting than looking at the circumstances. And then um, in looking at God and resting, he, he begins to give you answers. You kind of regroup and see the circumstances in light of God and in how he sees it, how he sees the purpose of it how he may see what the results he, he desires to be. And so you kind of back up and now you are really trusting God to help you walk through this particular thing. And so, you know, it's one thing to boast in God and move out in it. There's another, there's another thing to be in a really hard place, boast in God and move out of it. And so today's message is really... I don't know where everybody is. You know, maybe I should just be talking to myself here. But I think that's one of the difficult things about speaking is like, Lord, is this for me? Or are you giving this to me because more people are in places that I don't know about? And so I think this morning I want to just have a time. Hopefully, uh, if you find yourself facing things that are difficult uh, things that you need to, you know, that you've got to walk through or that you have walked through and now maybe this has given you a little bit better perspective of how to do it better next time. I just want to take some time to be able 
to pray for one another in, in the place that you find yourself. Um, you know, it's great when you have to strengthen yourself in the Lord, but it's so much easier when you've got people around you to help you strengthen yourself in the Lord. And so this morning, I just thought it would be great for us to take advantage of the fact that we're together and that anyone that needs um, prayer to kind of walk through the things that um, they have in front of them to walk through uh, or they have friends that they know are walking through difficult things that they may may take this time as a time to kind of just encourage one another, look to God and uh, pray for one another. So I'm going to turn it over to Bill and kind of whether we worship and pray, um, give us a, an opportunity to, um, some, some can do battle. They can, cross the, they can cross the brook and do battle by worshiping. And others maybe need to just sit and rest as we gather around them and pray. And so that's kind of today's message for us to just be encouraged in one another's presence and, and, and words of encouragement in the Lord. So, Bill, if you would come and kind of lead us in this time.